Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Terry Summers Podcast. And this episode makes me want to sing. Uh-oh. Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> I am both excited and hesitant to begin this podcast introduction because I, I'm, I'm excited because of who it is Two, I'm hesitant because I am afraid I'm going to leave something out. I want to present this person in such a way that it uh, clearly expresses the love that I have for her. And I just feel like, oh, I can't forget to say that. And I, I, I and I want to say that. And oh, no, save that for later. And oh, n- anyway, I, um, I have a guest with me today. And as I always say, by the way, there's some jets flying over right now. So if the, if the uh, windows start to rattle, um, then you know what's going on because they're like right over my house. Um, back to my guest. She is so special to me. And I, you know, here's why I struggle. That this is what, this is where the hesitancy comes from. I don't really know where to start. So the feelings that I have about her, since I'm a feeling oriented person. Well, first of all, I have I have love for her, but I um I feel it's gonna sound cray cray, but I feel safe because I feel seen. And let me lay down on a sofa and you get a pad of paper and we'll go from here. <laughs> but I mean not to uh not to knock the truth of that. That really is the situation. Um I she brings me joy. She is uniquely gifted with an emphasis on unique. I have a lot of friends on my podcast. I have a lot of friends. Um, and I have a lot of talented friends and I can't put one over the other. Um, in a ranking per se, I am, first of all, I would never do that, but she is, Sarah is just unique. She sits in a place on the shelf in my life that is all her own. You can quote me. I, or a Hallmark might be calling because I just said that. Sarah is um, beautiful inside and out. She is one of a kind. And um, I remember when I first met her it was kind of through an exchange of emails and we we will share a little about that I'm sure in the uh in the interview but um she had a tattoo on her big toe and she had me at big toe tattoo 
we didn't we didn't get a chance to get into that in the interview, but um, I'm introducing her hindsight, which is probably making me feel a little bit more pressure too, because I want to make sure that did, what did we not cover? But the deal is with, with Sarah is I respect her uh, so much for her talents, um, but for everything else. I wish there was something I could even secretively have in a file on Sarah that's like, mm, now let's talk about this part of Sarah. And I don't have anything. I, I love this gal. She is a friend like I have not had. Um, a friend like no other. She... um will blow you away. She is a, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, she sings. She's a singer. She's a singer songwriter. Her voice is so beautiful and it's so unique. And I remember the first time I heard it, I thought I have never heard a voice like, like this exactly. And, um, her talents are seemingly, um, limitless and her spirit is as well she doesn't live near me any longer and you know that is a for me that's a sad thing I would love to be uh having the opportunity to as we can with COVID to meet for a coffee or um just to know that she's close, but that's not the case. Uh, she's on the other side of the country, but when we speak, she, um, is so present with me and she's present in my heart, no matter if we are speaking, she's the mother of two and she's married and she has, um, a lot on her plate. And so we don't actually speak nearly as frequently as we used to, but in true form to Terry and Sarah, when we do, we put in some time on the time clock, but she is, um, she's just someone that I'm so honored to share with you. Let me just say that, that I probably could have just said that. And I, I hope that you enjoy this episode even more so from beyond this. I hope that you seek her out in the many forms that you can find her and learn about her and listen to her gifted, uh, voice and, um, and her music. But why don't I just stop stumbling over myself here and let you get a chance to meet Miss Sarah. The little red recording button. Yes, I do. Hello, I have other Hello. stuff on my computer. Let me get rid of it. Ah, okay. <laughs> I love you. Hey, I love you. I love you. This is Sarah Roberts, people, and I will have Sarah. I will have introduced you prior to in a, in a tease and in an intro, but I'm so are, happy. I'll have a very proper intro. I'm. I'm. We, we can proceed. Okay. I'm going to have a proper introduction. You know how yes, much I will. love. I really, <laughs> yes, I would really like to be talked about and. You will be. <laughs> um. Makes me very comfortable. 
as I will share with everyone my reaction when I saw your face. Um, <laughs> uh, my whole body got hot, like I and my nose, like it was it was instant, instant tear up, instant emotion. And it is what I would say, oh, here I go. I thought I was going to time myself. How long will it take me to cry? <laughs> um, but it was the instant reaction of love for a human being. And I love you so much. And I have from day one. I was recalling this morning. Mm. You may not get to talk in this podcast. Oh, good. <laughs> this is <laughs> I was recalling this morning when I was looking at your email, the first time I saw, I'm so sentimental, the first time I saw your email, and I love the, uh, the, the email, I won't say it, but, um, and you and David, your husband, you were, abro- you were vacationing abroad, where were you? It was when, before we ever did Partners at Heal, and you-, you Oh, it was before me- we did that, oh. Uh-huh. Oh, we might have gone to, um, I think Ford that was Greece. I think we're right. Yes. Yeah. That was it. And um, so when you got back, you responded and you were so lovely. And it was an email that we were all part of a project that I was at least coordinating on some level um, for Phoenix Theater. It was uh, called and still is Partners That Heal. And that was just a lovely time. But that's what introduced me to you. But I was reminiscing this morning about that email and what started with that email address, this friendship like I've never had. And as I hope that I'm able to uh, draw from you today an idea so the audience can understand, you know, just a, a thimbleful of who you are because you are so lovely, so funny, an amazing actress. And as I said, and I prepared you that I was going to, a voice like no other, like the, my most favorite voice I've ever heard um, in the universe. And um, I can't be more blessed to have you, to call you friend. And I, um, I, I want to hear and be reminded and let everyone know kind of a little bit of your story as much as you want to tell. Um, because you were really a creative force. Um, anyone who knows you in any of the communities that I've sort of earmarked goes, <gasps> because of who you are, because of what you bring. I mean, you are so um, big. And um, one of the other reasons I want you on today is because you are someone that represents to me above and beyond the fact that I'm so in love with you as a friend and one of the sweetest friendships I've ever had in my life, um, that you are a doer. And I'm in this mode right now of talking to people that I've been so blessed to know or, or, or sit alongside that have just gone after and done things, um, and not waited and been, you know, calculated and thoughtful. And you've had a couple of things just in my friendship with you that I'm like, wow, they just went and did that. They just got up and moved and they just, they went and did what they wanted to do. And, um, in their dreams and their artistry. And I'm also speaking of your husband too, which I'm in love with as well, David, but, um, tell us a little bit about where do you come from? I know you're, you're back in your, your stomping grounds right now. 
Well, I do. I live in um, Chapel Hill, North Carolina right now, which is close to where I was born and raised. And, um, but first of all, before I get into that, which I, I, I do, I, I am, I hear what you're saying. It's overwhelming to hear what you're saying because I, and you know me, because if we were in person, you're getting away with this because we're on zoom. It would have shut down in person. I would have pushed you i would have poured something been, on top i would have I, done something I've been slapped stop, yeah i know yes. it's like but i but i don't know where that comes from for me it's hard for me to sort of hear that however i will say that i am uh overwhelmed by what you said because i feel that from you and that's the most overwhelming part of that and it means a lot it means the world to me because you mean so much to me and i know i've said this about um before we got on which was like you're to me we don't i don't have all the time in the world as you don't either to always stay connected every moment with those people in your life that you you know but it's one of those things that like just seeing you i always feel like there's like those friends who you're on the same train with Mm. and you may be in different cars and it may be but you're never you're still on the same train. And so in some ways it just picks up and it's not, we just met in the dining car and it's totally, totally fine, you know, and it's, and it's amazing. But your podcast to me, a lot from my selfish perspective, it allows me to still feel as though you are with me and communicating with me and that <laughs> I get, I get let in on where you're going and what you're thinking about and sort of, inspired by and it is a gift to me because of knowing you and so I feel as though I've had you know been in touch with you more than I have and I was thinking today um and actually all this week when I was thinking about this I was thinking about when we met because you mentioned partners at heal right and I want to say and I don't know what your first memory is but my I have a very this is like the Terry Summers like when I think of Terry Summers and how we met this instantly comes up. So it's always this. And I'm sure we met, I'm sure there were a few times when partners that heal was getting going and we had like rehearsals or conversations or whatever, but it was once we started digging our feet in and doing exercises. And I don't know if you've talked about part, do you? I have. have. Okay. Partners of the Hill. So when we started doing exercises where we were like getting to know you exercises, and there's a lot of like exercises for actors and things where it's about, you know, communicating not verbally or breaking down walls. And there was this one exercise where, and this is going to sound so loony to people who don't do this at all, or have never been exposed to this sort of thing, but it was like when two of us had to partner up Mm -hmm. and stand very close to each other Mm -hmm. and look at each other in the eyes. And I don't think you could break eye contact if I'm not mistaken. And it was like, I think it was timed for, how long? Like two minutes, three minutes, whatever it was, it felt really long. It felt really long. And there was times and we'd switch partners and it could be really awkward because it was like about, you're not communicating, you can't say anything, but you just have to keep looking and you just keep looking. And also you have to be seen, which is the other side of that, you know, which is like, but I, the, I am, I don't even remember. I'm sure I was partners with everyone else at some point. I just remember being your partner and us looking at each other and getting that feeling at first of being a little uncomfortable and sort of like, I don't know what, and then something happened. And if I recall correctly, we started laughing 
<laughs> but like from a right. general level. Yes. And then we started crying. Yes. From a guttural, like weeping. Yeah. And it was like, we went through this whole journey. This was meeting you. This is like what I associate meeting you. I'm like, I don't even know if I knew your last name at that moment, you know? And we were weeping, laughing. And then at the end of it, I think we just hugged. Yeah. And it was like. I can see where we were in the, the stage there. Yeah, absolutely. That was such a gift. I mean, the exercise is a wonderful gift anyway, but that was such a gift that like accelerated and wherever it was going to go was where it was going to go. And ours went there. Yeah. Yeah. Ours, but I just remember from that day on, I was like, I don't, I didn't know this person. I wanted to know this person. I felt like somehow I did kind of know this person in a yeah. weird way. And I felt like they knew me, like, which is such a, that, uh, that, part of it is to see others, but to be seen is something that is, uh, you know, it's a very rare gift. Yeah. So I and love it, but I feel like that sums up our, and then I feel like there was something, I just remember after that, writing bitch and putting it on your. <laughs> we, um, that's our, uh, <laughs> that's, that's our love language. That's, that's our love language. Heading of the love language. We became, um, yeah. uh, communicators of hey bitch i yeah. ha i still have it i you um i mean our friendship like went on you know i mean we we, we really became engaged in in a mm -hmm. lovely lovely friendship and we were all hanging out together in part because of partners at heal but we were also you and i and others and david and where we were hanging out socially you know just in our private time but you had I was doing a show at Phoenix Theater and you must have been somewhere around and you wrote me a note on one of those a little pad that you rip off and it leaves a little you know whatever's <laughs> and it's like hey bitch hope you're doing well and it was I think it was during um uh I can't remember what show it was excuse me um oh sh maybe it was Chicago or something hey bitch hope you're doing okay I love you Sarah XOXO <laughs> And it was like, who gets a hey bitch uh, love note <laughs> on their car from you? So, no, I, um, I, I, when I, I, you know, I'd heard so much about you in the theater world as an actress, but, um, and you're so funny. Your humor is like, I could just sit with you because I would lap it up. I love funny people, but your humor is like it for me. Um, then I heard you sing and not to say that that is above anything else that you bring to the table because you bring so much. Remember the Enneagram session at my house that we had? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was so fun. Gosh, I mean, that was so fun. <laughs> that was so fun. And I still go back to it. But anyway, I digress. But, um, you have a voice like no other. You are one, one of a kind. When I say angelic, that sounds, but I mean, it is like, what? It has so much to it. And myself and some of our other friends followed you around in a lot of your gigs here just to hear you. And I remember Brian Swice and I driving to California when you had some, you were, you're hanging out there for a summer <laughs> contemplating moving there, which you eventually did like, I love the way you worked your path. Um, but to, to sit and hear you was like, what? 
So when did you know you had that superpower of a gift? Well, that I, I love you. Thank you. That means a lot to me to hear you say that. Um, I, 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 I mean the, you know, I always sang, like I did always sing my parents. I, they, the story goes like in terms of before memory. So it's like, I don't, my, I'm relying on them to tell me things about like my early childhood, you know, and they, I, I just always sang. I think it was like, I mean, this three, three, four, you know, and it was like, I, I just, I sang my family, my parents weren't, um, they, I always think of them as being musicians, but they're not, they don't play instruments or they, they're not, uh, they're not performers, but they just have such a, they had such a tremendous love of music. Mm -hmm. And so there was like, I always, I mean, my dad, it, not to be, he knows this, so I'm not like, you know, throwing him under the bus, but he has one of the worst singing voices I've ever heard. <laughs> in my entire like to the point where when i was growing up we would have him sing for friends that would come over and spend the night and like hang out we would get him to sing stuff because he has the, you can't believe how toned you can't believe what's happening what's happening but the thing that makes it even more golden is that he has the soul of a musician in a way like he's got that passion and that love of it and it comes out just all wrong it's all and it's amazing but i think but i think of that like they just exposed us to a lot of music and a lot of different kinds of music and i think i think that shaped you know things i my grandmother on my dad's my dad's side um was a singer and she was like mountains of north carolina bluegrass um you know played and i but she had stopped by the time i was born she had sort of not been doing it very much. So this was in her younger days and that, but that was always uh, a connection, you know, that was always a connection that I had with her and that she, um, that was something she had, had done. And I just, I, I just always was singing. I don't know. And it was something that my parents were like supportive of. They were also not, they didn't, I mean, I felt lucky. Like I grew up in North Carolina. I grew up in this, in the, in Raleigh, which had a lot of arts programs. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of things that you could be uh, exposed to um, in terms of the performing arts. And it was looked at as a very, uh, my parents were patrons of the arts. So they always were going to theater and going to films and, you know, and music. And like, it was always, and art was just always looked at as just as important as, as anything else, um, not like a hobby necessarily. Right. It was like appreciated on right. a, you know, as a skill set and sort of, you know, in that way. And, um, and so I just think, you know, I think they noticed that I enjoyed doing that and they sort of exposed me to things. They put me in like different classes and, and things. And they knew one of the things I think that make at least my early childhood and that made that shaped me so much as a singer specifically was that my parents never um pushed me in terms of like uh vocally so like there's some you know and there's lots of different schools of thought on this in terms of when do you have voice lessons or when do you you know, my, you know, there's lots of different things about that. And there was something that my, and I really think this was stem, stemmed from my mother, 
who was like, I just, I want her to sort of grow into find her voice in a way and then have that, but wait until like high school. Don't, don't go into, don't get it early. Don't get things trained in a way that's like, I, I don't know why. And I don't know what, why she thought that way because she wasn't a singer and she didn't really, she just was sort of like figure, you know, yeah. And I was exposed to theater and I started doing musical theater as a kid and that sort of thing. And so there was singing in that way, but I didn't have like formal training until I was older and really had gone through puberty, you know, which I think, I don't know. I, to me, that seems like a really big gift because there was, you know, um, that I just felt like I had somehow, I think that that solidified something in me that was inner voice that kind of was able to grow yeah. into something. But then I did go into training and then that part was invaluable too, because I had all these teachers who were pushing me and sort of like teaching me techniques that I think I was shy to kind of go towards because I hadn't been exposed to that. And what would remind me of some of the training? I want to say so, opera or... I, I was like in high school and into college, I did, I studied like um, classical voice. I did go to school, like for university, I went to a theater program and, but my voice teacher was, um, he did, we did music theater um, music, but we also, he was very, he exposed me to a lot of uh, classical, which, because that's where I w had just kind of come from in high school. I sort of had a private teacher who was much uh, you know, I was learning just German and French and Italian arias and that sort of thing. But I just didn't have the, the passion for that music, like for my life. I felt like it was like a, I always equate it to like ballet for a dancer. Like you're getting these core root, you know, skills that are going to enable you to use it either for that style or for other things that you, you know, want. So you're learning these breathing techniques and these placement techniques and all these things that are just extra tools in, in the toolbox that can enable you to explore. And so that's kind of how I, I looked at it. And I loved it. It's not that I don't love classical music. I just didn't feel that connection on a, this is my, you know, this is where I'm headed. But I think I draw from it. It's, it's I do think I draw from it. You know, um, that was a long answer. No, for, was, oh my no, no, I tracked every minute of it. I mean, I know people can't see me shaking <laughs> my head, but I, um, it, it does then answer a little bit for me, this, this, when you said it was, you know, your, your folks or your mother in particular had you kind of hang on for a bit before anyone kind of came in and did any sort of molding that just sort of makes sense in hearing you. Because hmm. it's just so uniquely you. And it is, oh my goodness. I, we have to several times send people to where they can go to listen to you. Um, be, and, and in all the forms that you have out there. But it is, I don't know, Sarah. I mean, I just, I know, you know, there's, there's lovely talent in this world. But when, so you said you, um, that you went to a theater school, which I know. And so you were heading out in your dreams, am I right, to have a career in theater? Or was it always coupled with um, a singing career or, or an artist, being an artist and using your voice? Yeah, it's interesting because most of the theater programs I was interested in were, were just, were more just theater. 
like it wasn't musical music theater. It was more um, just drama programs and not, you know, not I music theater for me at that point, like I had done some growing up and it was something that I had enjoyed. But at that point I was sort of like getting more interested. It was kind of separating for me. Like music was kind of becoming its own thing and, and theater was becoming its own thing. And so I didn't really know, I mean, for that, the only reason why I chose where I, um, went to university was because I'd gone to a program there, which was like a year before my, that summer before my senior year of high school. And they have like a summer program where you can go and work with some of the teachers there. And I had just fallen in love with the voice teacher. And he was like, he became such a mentor for me and was just one of those people like you in my life where it was like, you see them, they see you there's a spirit connection, a heart connection. And I just, I, he, Tom Douglas is his name. And he was such an amazing voice teacher for me specifically. Um, because he kind of, like when you were talking about molding, he was very open in that way. And like wanted to explain, like he was so good at being such a great individual teacher and sort of giving you all these things that were challenging, but kind of opening up your world musically. And that was something. And so really, and so I did go there for music theater because uh, mainly because of, of him and because I love their drama uh, program, but I didn't know, this is where, like, it's funny to hear you say, where was this? This was uh, Carnegie Mellon University, which is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, um, it is a program that is a conservatory program. So it is very, um, it's a small class. Like I think our class was somewhere between 20 and 25 students. And it's like, it's very concentrated and it's the, it's, uh, it's, you know, four years of rigorous classes that are all, you know, for this and they kind of, and it sort of sets up where you are. I mean, it was theater based. They did have a little bit of, of, like film and television um, classes there that they had incorporated by the time I was graduating. But they do, they set it up and then you end up, uh, most of the students, not that you have to do this, but most of the students end up going to New York or Los Angeles for, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, careers in theater, right. film, whatever, you know, realm. And for me, I kind of, I always have this, I just don't look that far ahead. I sort of have a, so it's funny to hear you say I'm a do it person, I think part of that is that I'm not goal oriented. Okay. <laughs> like I am very, I I'm like very envious of people that can be like, oh, in 10 years from now. Okay. You know, um, that being said, I also, like, I remember we had some workshop before we graduated where this person came in to talk to the student body and had us all do this, this uh, exercise where they had to write down what you wanted to be doing in 10 years. And I was already pissed. Like from the beginning, <laughs> as soon as I get that assignment, I hate it. Cause I'm, I don't think that far in advance yeah. and I really don't, I don't plan out my life. I don't think like, you know, it's, I, I just don't, I'm just not that kind of thinker. And, um, and so I just begrudgingly wrote down a bunch of stuff on a paper. And what's really funny though, is like, I found that, that paper about 10 years later, and it had most everything I'd written on it, I'd either tried or done. 
you know, like it wasn't like something was way out in left field. Like it was something that I'd either been like, and I didn't know that. And I didn't remember that. I didn't deliberately chart it out that way, but it was interesting that there were things that were uncovered in that exercise that I was like, I must've somewhere in me, you know, there was this, this goal. And so I didn't know, like going to school, I think I knew I wanted to live in New York. Um, I love New York City. And so I did end up moving there after I graduated, but I didn't know what, I mean, I was auditioning for theater and do it, you know, and had a few things that I had been doing in New York. And then I started a company with friends of mine who was um, doing a theater company. And, but at that time I was also starting to play music and somewhere in my head, I don't know if it's the conservatory mindset or not, but somewhere I had thought, oh, you've got to choose one or the other. And I felt like at that point, like that time in my life felt really detrimental in my twenties because I just don't, I don't believe that now. Like I don't look at that, you know, and I think about back to that about like, well, it was so compartmentalized. Everything was so like, oh, are you this? Are you going to be a musician or are you going? And I'm like, I don't know. Nobody else was really asking me that, but somehow I had turned that. I'd heard that voice. I don't know what it was. And, um, but I do think of that as being detrimental. And I remember there's a very pivotal moment where like my brother, my youngest brother went to a film school, film conservative, North Carolina School of the Arts. And when he was graduating, the speaker at his um, graduation was Danny Elfman, who is the composer for a lot of the Tim Burton, most all Tim Burton films. Um, But he'd been in bands, you know, decades before he was in like Oingo Boingo and like, and he's also, I think his background was he was a drummer before that and had sort of traveled around the world and played in like, you know, avant-garde dance theater companies and like all this, his experience was just a, a collage of different things. And it was sort of seemed very mosaic where it was like all these different pieces that you didn't quite know how they fit together. And that's what his entire speech was about. And he kept saying to everyone, don't leave school and think that you're random experience is so random that it's not connected to this. Like you, for example, if you're a storyteller, that means a lot of things in the world of how you're going to tell these stories and don't get caught up in how it's supposed to connect. It wow. just, will, it will be. Wow. And I just thought that was such a powerful way of so powerful looking at that yeah. you know, and not getting so caught up in the, well, if I do this, this, and this, then I'll get to here, 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 and here. And like, you know, that sort of more linear mindset. Well, hearing that, you know, officially, I think that I would have gathered that of you just because you're not, I don't know why I think that goal-oriented people can be a little uptight. That just might be the ones that I'm around. And it's probably because I'm not, and I Secretively cherish something about them, but (laughs) I guess I I, when I see you as a doer, it probably leans more to who I think you're saying you literally are. Is that not necessarily this? I have a plan, but that from within, this thing that you desire or that you suspect or that you um, are called to do you have in at least in my experience with you you've set motion to it um with some distinct effort 
is does that ring true mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. well there's yes i think that there's something i think there's a i don't know what it's led by but i'm open i'm always open to exploring creativity and that sounds pretty basic but it's like but it really i do think i think of myself as a creator I don't always know how to label what I'm creating and I don't always know what it's going to mean and how it's translated. That's definitely a big um, part of it. But I think that, um, but I, but I relish the, the creative openness and sort of exploring it and seeing what that is. And if it's loud enough, like a move, across country or a, you know, um, trying something that I haven't really tried or what, if it's loud enough and persistent enough, then I, I, I feel like it's risky and there's something really exciting about taking risks. That's the kind of risk taker. I feel like I am, um, more than yes, these goal oriented, mindsets, which I agree with you. I'm so funny because I can be negative about that too, but it's, it's, I'm sure it's a hundred percent because I don't have that um, <laughs> in me. And then when I see them achieve the things they set out to do, it's really right. upsetting that that right. happens that way when they work that hard to do that and they get right. that, you know, and it's like, well, of course they do. Yeah. Um, but I'm just trying to, I think as I age and uh, you know, it's a real check-in to be, to, to take, notice of where I, what, what, what I don't do, you know, and in ways, you know, you can always be, get better at things, but also let's just acknowledge what it is that you do and don't do. And I don't, um, I just don't seek out the very specific, you know, things. And I feel like it's, I mean, there's some things, I feel like there's a lot of rules of thumb that I tend to, you know, working create creatively, especially collaboratively. Um, I just, my big rule is to surround yourself with, uh, people that you love mm-hmm. and people that you think are, mm. are, you're, you're a hundred percent inspired by that are way better than you, you know, in some ways, like it's just, it makes for a, a really exciting process. And that part of it to me means. Hey, so when you, um, when you moved to, um, California from Arizona, what, what had you in Arizona? Remind me what brought you to Arizona. Well, Arizona, and I, I have such a big place in my heart for Arizona because it kind of like what we're just talking about, that openness and that exploratory, um, creative process, it really blew the doors off of what, for me personally, where I was at in my life, because I had just moved there from, well, I'd lived in New York. And then I had um, briefly come back to North Carolina. My mom was very sick at the time. And I had come back here and sadly, she passed away. And after she passed away, I wanted somewhere new, somewhere I didn't recognize. Um, And my husband, David, uh, we weren't married at the time, but he was, he had gotten a, um, a teaching job at Arizona State uh, wow. University. And so he was there and I was, I had chosen to go to um, California 
And so he came to Arizona and I went to um, Los Angeles for a year. That was the year right after my mom died. And I was sort of a hermit actually, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I went there and I was, had, I just, just didn't know what was I was doing. Like I was sort of, you know, writing a lot. I was playing some music, but I hadn't even, I mean, I didn't even let friends know I was living there yet until, I mean, it really was like my grieving process. I felt like it was something that I was doing to heal. And, um, and David was in Arizona. We would meet, you know, every other weekend or try and have like things to go back and forth that drive, um, yeah. that, you know, very, very well. Right. Um, and, uh, and it just, there's something about Arizona too, that just feels like for those who aren't from there, um, originally it's like you've landed on another planet in terms, <laughs> yes. of the land, in terms of the landscape yes that sky that's so open the desert everything about the colors of the sunset I say the colors mm -hmm. oh it's so weird and strange and amazing and it, it never was lost on me like there was never a time when I was living in Arizona where I wasn't driving around feeling as though I was a Martian <laughs> on Mars, you know, like it really is like it just because it was so different from, right, you know, the trees and everything in North Carolina, it was very different. And so and the weather, not to mention the, the dry heat and the and the heat, heat, heat um, was <laughs> very different for me. And so anyway, but eventually we got married. And I came to Arizona actually it was before we got married i came to arizona and there was a summer where i worked at i got a job working at like the mesa art center and i was working teaching a music class and again this is like what i mean like i was hired to teach a music class but there was no curriculum it was like you just like if you want to create what you want to do and it's like that kind of mindset i always end up finding those pe those people are so valuable to me in my life because it's like oh great like i can try out this and that and there's not like something i'm supposed to follow you know like i'm not as good about like following all the rules and doing all the things i like to go off track a little bit um yeah yeah i know you do <laughs> it's awesome um <laughs> uh anyway so after that I, st I i stayed and david and i were still dating at that time and then that's what and then we got married and we stayed and it was like um and i felt like at the time i was just exposed to so many different theater companies there and something that i think is really unique um was how open and it was really a community it did not feel to me it did not feel like um, theaters were competitive in nature or trying to outdo, like it felt like there was dialogue between everybody and supportive, a supportive community and also diversity, you know, of material and like what they were producing. And it was a really lovely, um, it was just a really lovely, it was a really unique space for that. And I felt like that, and that started to open me up. I did some performing that way, but I started playing music and I also because I was having relationships with these theater companies I got asked to do um, a sound design job which I had never done and it was because of my music and a friend of mine um, Andy Alcala at, was directing a show at Child's Play and he wanted a song that sounded like the kind of style that I write in for my own music 
and he was like, would you be interested in, in writing a song for this? And then he was like, you know, or writing or doing sound design, but it's all going to be these kind of songs. And I was like, sure. And I had never done anything like that, but it was something that felt, I just felt immediately at home being in the theater, having conversations with directors and breaking down scripts, but then approaching it as a musician. Wow. And I was like, this is such a niche, you know, place, but what a wonderful, I mean, like, I just, I felt so grateful that he sort of opened me up to that. Cause from that, it started a whole other journey into like, well, now I'm sort of interested in finding sound design jobs that aren't necessarily just the kind of music I write, but like, what else can I explore? And like, you know, and I felt like there was so many relationships in, in Arizona that afforded me to do that, which was a huge gift. I'm trying to help me. Even you wrote, um, a piece that toured from, um, was it from Child's Play? That's the yes, the pres Rock the Presidents with Rock Dwayne Hartford. Yes, so he, that is exact, and that happened the same exact way, which was sort of like, well, I had started doing sound design and he knew I was interested in, in other, you know, styles of music and other uh, ways of writing. And he approached me and said, listen, I'm writing this script. I think there's a song in it. Um, and it's called, it's called, or he, I don't even know if it had a name yet, but it was all about all the presidents. And he is like a historian, like he is a history buff. Like he is amazing. The way he was starting to sort of thematically connect this president and that president was really interesting to me. And he was like, if you can, you know, if you're interested to write a song and I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. And then about a week later, he's like, um, I think this actually might be a couple songs like it actually might be more and I was like okay but okay and he was like you know and then fast forward to like wherever and he goes he, ca I he called me and he was like um I think this is actually like a rock opera I think it's <laughs> and I was like Dwayne I just want it to be put in any sort of contract I have no idea what I'm doing like that's how we're gonna approach if I if 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 the bar is set super low, I will jump higher than you need me to. But like, let's just know, I don't know what I've never, I've, I've never written a opera, a, you know, a rock opera does not. But it was such an amazing process with him because it was new for him too. He had written plays and he hadn't written the, and so he was writing lyrics. And so there was this great, uh, partnership and collaboration that we had in that process. And yes, and it was one, and it, we had, and that was scary because there was an end date and they had started booking it as a tour <laughs> before it's finished kind of thing. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is a real thing. And this could, you know, and, uh, but I, I feel really proud of that because it was something that, um, Again, it was something, I mean, I was terrified. I'm not gonna lie. Like there's moments in that process that I was like, I am just, I don't, this is nuts. But it, but it was, again, surrounding yourself with people who make it safe to be open and don't have any other, you know, like it just was a great collaboration because of how he thinks and um, what he was open And it to. was, when you say you're proud of yourself, you should be, that was amazing. That was just amazing. Is it still touring? I feel like I saw something that's... It was, I think this year, because there was a, a conversation we had about having to bring in the last president. Um, uh, 
there's one song at the very end that sort of kind of brings in all the more modern right. presidents of the last, you know, maybe four terms. And uh, we had to, we, the tour, I think, went through the election. And so after that, that election in 2016, it was still on tour for a bit. And okay. so we knew going into it, it was either going to go one way or the other. And okay. so we had sort of backup plans as to what would happen. And so we had to insert something there, but I don't know about now because now we're in a different. Right. Of course. Um, yeah. I meant like as in recent years, I feel like I saw something just recently, someone was going on and on about how wonderful it was. And mm -hmm. I'll have to go back and I'll contact you later. Cause I meant to reach out to you. And I thought, well, I'll be talking to you, but so in some way, someone was recently recalling a not too often in the, in the uh, past that it, they had seen it or toured with it or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, it was so cool. So mm -hmm. cool. And that's what I mean when I said that you're just a super talent. I, I'm so inspired by you. I mean, my mind selfishly is rolling around in my own ways of the things that I want to knock the door on, you know, and, or knock on the door of. Um, you're, your journey then to California, um, I, this is a, this is your life. Um, <laughs> your journey to California was prompted by what? Well, to not sound, I, I well, no, I, I don't know how this sounds, but I, I, first of all, I'm very well, drawn back to California. I know you were there once before. So yeah, yeah. no, but it's, I mean, certainly there was a music, drive like there was something every time I had been playing music there for while I lived in Arizona so I would kind of go every like maybe once every other month or maybe once a month and go play shows there and I I was off often sad that I didn't have more time um and the community the music community there was really um I was really drawn to. I felt like I was, you know, but I just didn't have enough time. Sometimes I'd kind of come into town and then go out of town and I felt like I was just, um, it just felt a little chaotic to me because I wasn't able to really like root down and sort of like, you know, spend time and make a record there and like live there. You know, I just felt like I wanted to to be there more. And I think the other part of it was that David and I both uh, were really drawn to uh, the land. Like we were drawn to California, we were drawn to the ocean, we were drawn to um, the weather there. Like there was things about the geography that like we we really wanted to experience. And we had often gone, this is before we had kids. And so we also, you know, we went camping and hiking. I mean, there was just a lot there that we were excited to experience and it wasn't someplace we had lived before. And that was kind of, um, part of it as well. But um, that's sort of what drove it. I mean, I, again, there wasn't like a big plan of like, I'm going to get to LA and then it's going to be, I just wanted to be there and yeah. just sort of experience it. And that was kind of enough. You know? Yeah. And you know, I re I recall the summer that you went that I don't, this is what seems so cool to me. And I'm not really sure why it just seemed really cool the way it rolled out that you went for a summer and you y'all rented a home in the Hollywood Hills for a summer. Mm -hmm. And um, Brian Swice and I came out to see you and you had some gigs, but that hanging out there and trying it out and thinking through things, I don't know why I love that so much. I mean, I love that 
it just seemed like a process. And then wasn't it the next year that you ended up actually? We did. We did it one more summer. Oh, okay. Um, we did it that. Oh, that's right. Because it was. I remember. Mm -hmm. Down at, near, uh, like in Venice, at Venice Venice. Beach, and yeah. um, and that happened to be the so yeah and i remember that first summer and i remember when you guys came too and it felt so yeah i just loved being there and i i just remember crying coming home at the end of that summer because i had just seen some amazing musicians and that were sort of local musicians there and i just wanted to stay i just wanted to be there and to have the opportunity to like hang out and see you know listen to more and um it just uh it felt it was just something drawing drawing me there um but yeah we did that for the following summer we went and rented a house and that that was a really pivotal time because we i had gotten there and had been i think a few months before i was going out again for a show and a friend of mine had introduced me to another songwriter named Sally J and she he was like I've been wanting you guys to meet but you're never in town long enough and it was like that kind of thing he's like but I'd had a gig like a few months before we went out for that summer and Sally happened to have a gig at the same that same week I was there and we both went to each other's shows and it was just like an instant connection and I went to see and I was like I just remember going to her show and I was like the weird you know person in the booth crying like happy crying you know but crying nonetheless and I didn't know and I just I remember going up to her and just being like I don't know what I just want to sing with you like I just have to make music with you and um and we just hit it off and it was like one of those things where it just was instant and we did and we started a band and so that next summer it just felt like a great transition and in, into that and it just was uh it 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 was a calling, you know, on some level, just creatively to want to keep exploring that and be there. And, um, and lovely you guys, uh, were and, and are, um, I do remember I had a lot of Oprah stuff going on at that time when I was back and forth over there, not just her, but later on the things that, that came out of that and would catch you guys sometimes in some of your gigs and what another combination. I mean, it just, and so then you formed, you formed a, um, um, a band of what, tell us about that. We did. We formed a band. Um, she had me at, called ladies gun club and our friendship. I mean, we formed a band, but again, it once again, it was like that collaboration where it's just, we hit it off and became really close friends. And that's part of it too, I've noticed that pattern in my life. Like I think about like when I think about Partners of Heal and the stuff that we created, like I, it's like that comes secondary. I know that it was, and when I really go into that, I'm like, that was really fun. Like the things that we would create, but it's the love of the people first. Yeah. And that part of it um, is really like an essential ingredient, I think. Right. Um, uh, or it just makes it all the better when it when that ingredients in there but yeah so we formed that band and we're still at it i mean like she but we don't but neither one of us live obviously in california anymore she's in nashville and i'm in north carolina but we and we both are moms of two children each and so it's a different thing and i think in some ways it's we have not that we don't have any goals but our 
there's something very open about that too. I think we work in that way of let's just make it like, let's just make the music. Like, don't, you know, like we don't think, where's this going to be? Is that going to get this? And then it's like, uh, there's, it's just, you know, and, and occasionally there will be things that kind of come up that we might be a little more goal oriented about, but ultimately that's not, if it was, if it's not successful at all, we would still make it. And that's really the truth. I mean, that's the way my whole, I mean, like it doesn't, it's not that that doesn't matter, not having any, you know, cause that's a frustrating journey for any artist. Like, and I am a hundred percent aware of the trials and tribulations of not, um, you know, of going paycheck to paycheck or feeling like, you know, it, it that there's a lot that comes with that that can be very heavy at yeah. times. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, you're a creator or you're not. And exactly. there, I mean, there's, you know, and it, it can, you can be upset about it, but you also just have to get up and create stuff. I don't know. Like you can just keep doing it. <laughs> I guess that's the do it. <laughs> you're, you know. It is. That's what I'm yeah. talking about. That's the do yeah. it. And I think that little bit of that bug finally um, bit the right part of my butt this past year. Yeah. Uh, because I think I just thought, because I am a creator and that's why I resonate with you so much. But I had things that always you know, they, they, they were hiccups and then the hiccup became, you know, something that I didn't want to deal with or I didn't want to face for whatever reason. Um, and you know, when we're creative, we have so much else going on in our, our heads too. But, um, I love that, Sarah. I love that either you're a creator or you're not, and you need to create. And then let, there's, I think that honors the work in a way that, um, doesn't cloud it with anything else, not to sound too artsy fartsy, but then um, let that then open up doors or clear pathways or, or whatever. And I know that there's, there is a business side to this. And I know you guys know that. Where can we go to hear you? Where can um, I create hopefully a new audience of folks that aren't aware of you to go and Aww. find your stuff? Well, first of all, I talking about you, the bug that bit, and you're saying that you jumped in to this, and I'm assuming you're talking about the podcast. I, I am. Podcasting. Yeah. So and that is like rolled out from that too. Yeah. Yeah. Like that is so. I feel like that is such a. It really struck me when you were saying that because I was thinking like that is such a creative. First of all, since you've been doing the podcast, it's so great to me because it's also like a a wonderful perfect medium for you as well because like I've known you to get like David and I were just talking about this uh, with about you specifically which is like you have a I'm sure you have a high IQ as well but you have a very high EQ which is that emotional intelligence mm. and it makes you walk into a room and I don't feel like there's anybody that could come in front of you that you wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't be connected with or find a connection to. Mm. And that is something that is a beautiful gift. And I feel like this, me, having a podcast is so fantastic for you because it's, and also knowing you as a friend and thinking back to when I was 
had uh, didn't have children and got to talk on the phone more than I'm <laughs> to at the moment. Um, I don't think we ever had conversations under two hours. No. I also don't think we ever had lunches under two hours no. together or dinners um, at ever. And so that's amazing too, because there will never be nothing to talk, not talk about or whatever that, if I'm saying it right. But yeah. what you, but anyway, I was struck by when you said that to jump in and do that because something came to me, which was this idea that having, having the answers or, or continuing to question. And there's like something in the figuring that is really appealing. Like that's definitely appealing to me as an artist is to, well, what happens if you, you know, or maybe the, or what, what is, what does that look like if you turn it over and like, what does it feel like if you kind of have a, instead of, I know what this is and my art is going to tell you this, and this is the answer to, I, the truth of it is I do not have answers. And so there we go. That works in that way. But I felt like that was something about it. it it's very inviting to me also when other artists do that. I feel like it pulls me in and there's something about you jumping into this, this, yeah. which is like a, a new, I'm sure it's new to you in a way, but it feels organic. I know that's a word that is very. No, I love that. And it is new to me. And I, and I will say that I'm bringing a lot of my fears with me. Like I even told you before I pressed record, I'm always afraid I'm going to mess up on something. And, but um, that, what you just said between knowing the answer and having the, still having the questions that, um, that feels so freeing to me. I feel like I just went to a counseling session um, <laughs> uh, to have you speak that and you're so wise too. Well, you know, I, I, I don't want to skip over the fact that you're a mom because we had so many conversations. Okay, here I go. Look, my um. nose is going. I know you are the loveliest, loveliest mom ever. Well, I don't know. I, there are two children that might debate you depending <laughs> on the day about that. I'm not 100% sure they would uh, um, agree with you every day about that. But that um, it is a trip to be a mom. Honestly, it's been a in that same way, though, I think of what we're talking about of it's an open, it's, it's, it, I do not have the answers. That is exactly, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions being thrown at me, by the way, 24 <laughs> seven. Um, I laugh because my son, Charlie is a Gemini and I went to, yeah. And you're the first person I thought of when I was thinking like a gem and they, and he has got a lot to talk about. And it is. <laughs> <laughs> I need you and him to have a conversation. Some days I just want that to be him to have that outlet. But no, it's, it's. Oh, that would be a high for me. Well, we've got they're, they're, oh, I, they're, 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 it's um, amazing. It's terrifying. It's everything it's everything like to have these little amazing minds and souls I mean they're just so open and like you know and just how they see I, I it's been a joy like to, to be able to see the way they see it is just it's never not hilarious you know and um 
it's a trip. It's a real, it's, it's a real trip. It's a real trip. Um, we won't forget to tell people where to get your music, but I want to say something as I just knowing the breadth of you in the years that I've known you and, and the, um, the, the blessing that it has been to me that you have shared your life with me. And I know you and I both have, as most people do, we've weathered some, some things and um, great things and challenging things, loss and things that probably rattled our cages. And then, then you having the, the, the blessing and, and this beautiful challenge of, of um, raising children this might sound like a rote question, but um, how does that uh, color your creativity and mm. you as a creator? Motherhood. How how does that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Any oh. of it. I mean, any of. I mean, I mean, I know you lost. You had a loss of a, yeah. of a parent and your mother, and you mm -hmm. know, I mean, life has has over time brought some mm -hmm. uh, wonderful things and some challenges and some unknowns and some things that I know um, mm -hmm. that uh, you and David have weathered and just the moves and all of that, that you've gone through. Um, what, how does that, can you, can you narrow it down? I mean, I, that, it's kind of, I don't want to make it a silly question. Like how does that affect your career? But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, do you feel that in your, process of creating and writing do you feel what's coming along with you from the things that you've lived through and yeah I I think it it's a, an essential part of of I mean it's it's been a big transition in terms of what loss and grieving and then having you know, new life come in and then a new wearing these hats and sort of figuring out what your role is and aging uh -huh. and every, you know, and then the, all the other challenges that come up. Um, I think, you know, it kind of touches on a little bit of what we were talking about before we um, started this, but this, this idea, you know, like this pandemic is a, is an opportunity on certain levels to really lean in and, and listen. And what you're listening to isn't always easy. Mm. And that part of it, um, there's something about loss, losing my mom that there's not, there's no denying that. And so you either, you can't shut it off right. and shut away from it. Um, or if you do, or if you think you are, it, finds you. <laughs> so there's like, there's something about leaning into to that profound, you know, either emptiness or grief that allows birth to happen or allows growth in, in different ways. It's not to erase it and to restart. It's not to get back to this or that, like we talked about with the pandemic, it's not like I want to get back to the way it was. It's to allow movement and to allow change because mm -hmm. it, it happens. And I think that that is something that is, is constantly in front of you, certainly is constantly in front of me as a parent witnessing these, you know, 
children growing and becoming who they are, it's, um, I cannot control it, you know, and I can't, and I can't, and I can't always agree with things that they, you know, are choosing, but I can, you know, what, how can I be a guide? And I have to be open to that in order to, you know, it's an openness of that change and like being, being available to that. And it's, it's hard. I'm not saying that I, again, I don't have the answer to that. It's just questioning and, um, trying to, uh, trying to, to figure that out and be the best in, in that way. But I think for creativity, being a parent, it's a weird lens that for some reason that, I mean, I know the loss has brought that into the forefront. I think that, I think that has a, that change and knowing that change is inevitable and knowing that, that in some ways loss is inevitable um, and you can lean into it and you can be okay. There's something about that that makes you, makes me feel like risks. I can take risks, you know, I can be open to that because it's, why not? You know, and it's not, I don't feel careless. I just feel like there's yeah. something, you know, bolder, I guess, about risks that seem, you know, that, that err on the positive side, but the creative life as a parent, because I have this lens of sort of occasionally catching myself thinking I've got these two beings that are also looking to me and what am I modeling, you know, and that's a real, that's like a question always that is like, it's a heavy one because, you know, I, what am I modeling? Am I going to model, you know, that I'm really bummed because I didn't get some, gig that could have given me x y and z and like i gotta you know or am i just gonna sit down and show you know am i just going to to make stuff you know am i gonna get down and just work and do the work and whether or not this is like you know but do what it is that i'm driven to do and i want that to be instilled in them but i more importantly i want them to see how that affects me you know, I want them to know that that's something I get fulfillment from. And I also feel like, and it wasn't something that I, I was very good at with my first child, right? When I first became a mother, because it became so much, I was like, ah, like all of my needs went on the back burner um, when I was sort of adjusting to that. But now, and especially with the pandemic, it's very clear how much, how better I am as a parent, <laughs> when I have carved my creative time, like that's equal, of equal importance in wow. terms of, you know, mothering and, and um, all the roles that we play, I guess, in our lives. But like that is of equal importance. And I think that's something I, specifically as a woman that gets uh, to me has, there's a lot of, um, pushback for I think sometimes or there's a lot of things that as women we sort of take on and say well that uh, my needs will go back here and as long as everyone and that and that's very blanketed statement I realize not every relationship is that way or family is that way this is also self-imposed you know and but the question is why is it self-imposed you know and I think there's a lot that comes from the outer world but there's a lot that I've internalized about that and that's been very important for me to, to really 
make that, you know, just as much of a priority. And I, um, so, but I think with the pandemic, it's been, there's a major opportunity of leaning in and it's, it's very clear because we're spending so much time together <laughs> that um, <laughs> we're very blessed to spend so much time together. And also um, there are some, yeah, not so blessed moments, but like to be able to really, I mean, that's become even more important. You know, like if I don't have that time to clear my head, if I cannot go and walk on my own and have some moments to write or do whatever kind of thing I'm doing, it, I, it's just not serving any, anything. So I feel like it's helped my, you know, and that's, I mean, I certainly draw from all that and put it into my creativity, but in terms of what, just having that time to create um, as a mother has been something that is a really uh, challenging thing that I feel like I've gotten better at. But And that, again, is encouraging to me. I mean, we didn't even really have a chance to get to that. And, you know, we will another time, meaning privately. But I've just been in a place where um, some, uh, I won't say neglect, that sounds a little bit more dramatic than I want it to, but I like the term of the back burner or being having other things more present that you're caring for or invested in where my person, for whatever reasons, I'm not blaming anything or pointing the finger or, or whatever. I mean, I know there's a lot to it, um, even in my own mind, has taken uh, a, a recess, I guess. Um, and just recently having to go, wait, no, I, um, I'm bringing this back um, where I can give myself some attention. Mm. So again, that was so encouraging to hear that. I need to be listening to some of your music because of how it makes me feel um, and just listening to you. So I want to make sure that everyone knows all the ways and this and that. I mean, obviously people can figure stuff out by the um by the title of your band and what have you but where can we go to for sure hear you and hear you and sally which i love her pass that along i will oh my gosh well um I, my website sarahrobertsmusic.com um and i think from there i is you can go Bandcamp. you can put in my name sarah roberts or sarah okay. roberts music and it should come up my stuff or ladies gun club um that's the, or anywhere that you get, you know, spot right. any of the other. Ladies spots. Gun Club. And Ladies Sarah Club. is spelled S-A-R-A-H, right? Yes, it is. Roberts with an yeah. S. Yes. R-O-B-E-R-T-S. Okay. All right. Yeah. Super cool. Well, my love, you've I been so you. generous. Um, I know that your hubby and your kiddos are out of the house for a little bit. So, um, maybe I'll let you go so that it wasn't just for the podcast. You can have a little run around and scream or something, but don't go away. I just want to say to everyone who's listening, you need to do yourself a big favor and a gift and spend some time. You listen to me, folks. Um, you need to spend some time listening to um, my friend, Sarah Roberts. Oh. You will be blessed. It will feed your soul. It will raise you to another level. Um, it is just, uh, it's, it, she's like no other. And you are like no other as a friend too and as a person. So 
Um, I want you to know how much you're loved on this end. And I'm saying it publicly, but I say it privately and I hope you believe me. I think you do, but you've just been a dear to give me this kind of time and we'll have you back again when it suits your schedule. If you're willing to don't go away. I'm going to I'm not going to go away. I just want to thank you for having me on, on this. And I thank you for doing this for everybody because what you are doing and the conversations you have and the honesty and the depths to which you are examining life and celebrating it also is just really profound. So I just thank you for, for inviting me to be even a small part of it, really. You know, you've always been my cheerleader. I consider myself a cheerleader. We also took a lot of tests when we were hanging out together. I think Kale uh, <laughs> Epps brought one in from some other source. I mean, there was the Enneagram, but we, do you remember when we were yes. looking to see we were EFPNs and what it, it was? Yeah. yeah. But I think I, mine came out to be that I was a cheerleader and encourager, but you have always cheerleaded me and encouraged me. And um, I feel invigorated by that today. Mm-hmm. Um, my dog's barking. Is that your baby dog? I know. Yeah, that's, that's oh Dixie God. Daisy. But don't go away. I'm going to stop okay. it. I want to say a good goodbye to you without uh, being uh, recording. So just a sec, okay, hon? All right. I love you. Thank I love you, you too. Thank you. Okay. So I have a metaphor. And roll with me on this. It is the most clear way to describe how I'm now feeling after spending time with her. Uh, Have you ever given up carbohydrates and you knock the carbohydrates, you manage them. You'll always love the carbohydrates, but you don't get a chance to eat carbohydrates every day. And then you get invited to, oh, I don't know, a celebration of sorts and there's cake. And, um, you of course are going to participate in the celebration, have yourself a piece of cake. Even if you don't eat the whole cake, you just eat the one piece that is customary in a social setting. Um, unlike what might happen behind private closed doors. If you, if you eat that cake and you really enjoy that cake, then like, right after you're done with the cake, you can't stop really thinking about the cake and then you want more cake. And then you wake up the next day and that cake has awakened all the carbohydrate cravingness, craziness in your body. And now you just want, you need more cake. So that might not be um, the most gracious explanation of how I'm feeling right now, but it's pretty close that... I've had some time with Sarah and now I just, you know, want time with Sarah. Um, you guys, please, um, and I say this, do yourself a treat. Yes, a favor, but a treat to go listen to her because she's just beautiful and unique and lovely. And you will appreciate that you did that for yourself. And I just want to say that I appreciate you. The things that Sarah said about me taking on uh, this medium or whatever, if you will, really did make me feel good because it. I believe it for myself that this is something that resonates with me and that I'm I'm uh, in so many ways made to do. Whether I'm, you know, uh, seen by others in that light or not, I don't know, but. 
um, I want to thank you for being a listening audience. We are uh, well over um, our, hey, we're, we're like nine months together. We could be having a baby right now. So think about that and press uh, like and share and leave me some comments and go listen to Miss Sarah. Love ya. Till next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>